is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Eric Coleman. And we are finally here, ladies and gentlemen. This is The Weekend Crunch. Brought to you by New York Sports Scene Magazine, JVC Broadcasting, and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Errol Marks, and my co-host, ex-NFL player, Mr. Eric Coleman. What's going on, Eric? Hey, what's up, Errol? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'll tell you this right now. I am sitting here at the Worldwide Sports Radio Network studios. You're over there in your closet in Florida. <laughs> hey you gotta do what you gotta do during this pandemic right oh my god i'll tell you this right now everything that's gone on in the world and and this pandemic covid19 has completely destructed not only our economy but everything that's going on in sports and i'll tell you this right now i am so happy that there are stories coming out that the mlb is coming back with their 60 game season you got the nba coming back Hopefully in the next couple of weeks. I mean, everything that's going on with COVID-19 over there in Orlando, I don't know if it's going to be held in Orlando. And I will tell you this, the NHL, which they're trying to figure out if it's going to be Edmonton, is it going to be in Toronto, over there in Canada? I'll tell you, if, if anything happens to sports moving forward, if anything is taken away from us, I am going to go crazy. There is nothing going on. And as much as I love the UFC and U, UFC 250, 251 coming up tonight, I am sorry. Sports needs to come back. It's going to take away a lot of problems in the world. But how are you doing, man? How are you and your family over there in Florida? Oh, we're doing great, man. We, we came down here at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, fortunately, we have a house down here, so we were able to get away from all the chaos and let the kids get outside and play. So uh, they're doing well. You know, I really can't complain. I'm thankful to be here, down here getting in shape you know, getting excited about this football season, getting excited for these sports to kick off because, uh, you know, I, I love the, the Jordan, uh, the, the last dance. Oh, yeah, the documentary. I, I love watching all these uh, old playoff games, but I'm ready for some live sports. I'm ready for some football, some basketball, some baseball. You know, I, I'm, I'm watching some soccer and tennis, you know, just trying to keep myself going. <laughs> but listen, I need, some football. I need some contact. I need some, some physicality going on. Soccer and tennis? Wow. Look at you, Eric. A man of a million different abilities. You're going on. Now he's going on to tennis. Next thing you hear, he's going to be watching golf. <laughs> but that's good, man. It's, it's an ex-NFL player. You need to be highly rounded when it comes to sports and sports radio. And I love the fact that you're, you're watching tennis, you're watching soccer, and hopefully in the near future, you'll be watching all the other sports. But I'll tell you, you mentioned the last dance. And, and before we get into all the topics we're going to get into today, Michael Jordan, if nobody thinks Michael Jordan isn't the greatest basketball player of all time, well, you haven't watched the last dance. I don't care what anybody says about this guy. LeBron James, I don't care if you're going to try to compare LeBron James to Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant to Michael Jordan or even Bill Russell or Walt Frazier or, or Will Chamberlain, anybody that you want to tr try to compare to Michael Jordan, there is no comparison, especially when you watch The Last Dance. He is, his amazing ability to draw people. And Eric, I want to know your opinion. You haven't been on any of our shows on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What were your thoughts? You mentioned it. What did you think of Michael Jordan after you watched that whole 10-episode documentary? 
Oh, I loved it. I loved everything about Michael Jordan. And I, you know, I was watching those every Sunday night with my wife. And I told her, I said, we, we are blessed. You know, we grew up in a special era. You know, that, that 90s era with, with the Knicks, uh, the, you know, the Pistons, the, the Lakers and the Celtics. And to watch Michael Jordan gradually become the greatest player of all time, it was amazing. And, and to see behind the scenes, you know, all the hard work that he put in, all the sacrifice and to see how uh, obsessed with winning he was, it was amazing. You know, I always tell people that to be the best at something, you have to be obsessed with it. And, and Michael Jordan took it to a whole nother level. You know, he was just all about winning. He didn't care, uh, you know, what, what he had to give up. You know, he, he was pushing his teammates, pushing his coaches. I, I love seeing him behind the scenes. And it was, it was a very special show. And I'm glad that we all got to, to watch that, especially the generation that grew up now. You know, with, with LeBron James and all the current players, it's great for them to sit back and see Michael Jordan and see that greatness, uh, you know, to see it, see it develop. And then here's the thing, when you, you talk about Michael Jordan, and a lot of people compare Kobe Bryant to Michael Jordan, which I understand why you can compare both and contrast both players because they both had similar personalities, they both loved to win, and they both had that Mamba mentality. And, and, and I, by the way, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. Uh, everything that's happened over the last couple of months, the loss of Kobe Bryant really affected the sports world, but... Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, they had a whole doc, the whole documentary kind of moved up to where Michael Jordan was when he was a young player, moving up as a, a veteran player in 96 and 98 and what he did, not only for the league and the Chicago Bulls, the amazing draw from, you know, the dream team and everything that we've seen of Michael Jordan's career. It's, it's an incredible feat. And I'll tell you this right now, we will never see an athlete as dominant of a force as Michael Jordan. And, and that documentary really proved a point on who he is as a player and really his personality. He didn't believe in losing. And he was the only player, the only player I can compare and contrast to anybody. And you talk about Bill Russell, who everybody says, well, Bill Russell won all these championships. Michael Jordan won six titles and he never went to a game seven in the finals. You can say whatever you want about LeBron James. LeBron James did not win six titles and he's lost in the finals. How many times did he go to the finals? Eight times in a row. And, and, and he, he only won three titles. So I understand the compare and contrasting who Michael Jordan is to LeBron James. And LeBron James, you can't take away his power of, uh, of draw when it comes to the league and, and comes to the fan. But Michael Jordan was a totally different beast. And it, it's incredible because I actually lived through the time, just like you, I'm, I'm actually seven days your elder, my friend. So we're not too far apart in, in birthdays. We're both 38. I was born April 29th, 1982. You were born, what, May 6th? Yeah, Taurus season. Taurus season, man. So we're both Tauruses, and some people say we're stubborn. So a lot of people are going to see a lot of stubbornness on this show because I'm sure you have your own thoughts when it comes to certain particular subjects, when it comes to the Jets and the Giants and whoever we're going to get into talking about. But it's an incredible thought when you, thought, when you think about Michael Jordan and what he has done for the league and really what he's done for basketball. When I look at David Stern and what David Stern has said about Michael Jordan, and may he rest in peace, by the way, too, another guy that passed away this past year as well. Um, David Stern really transformed the league for what it is today and the money, the CBA, the new rules and everything that's going on. The great things that we see with Adam Silver, it all comes from the functions of David Stern. And he said it best. When we came, when Michael Jordan came to the league, there were 90 countries or seven or something between 70 and 90 countries 
uh, watching basketball. After he was done, over 250 countries around the world. So Michael Jordan transformed the game of basketball, really the NBA as a whole. And Kobe Bryant said it best. There will never be a player of that magnitude to ever step on the court again. And as good as Kobe Bryant was, as good as LeBron James was, it's, it's no comparison. I don't want to hear it from anybody throughout the country telling me that anybody compares to Michael Jordan because there's no comparison. Is he a great GM? Is he a great owner? I would say no. And no offense to Michael Jordan. He's not a good executive. But as a uh, a guy that dominated a sport the way he did. I don't want to hear about Wayne Gretzky either, as good as Wayne Gretzky was. And I love hockey. Wayne Gretzky wasn't Michael Jordan. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I agree with you. I agree with you. He is the greatest of, of all time and, uh, you know, one of those players that you'll never see in this lifetime. So uh, it was great to see that, that documentary. Great to see the inside uh, behind the scenes of, of Michael Jordan. But, uh, you know, much respect to all the other players. Kobe Bryant, I, I don't, I'm not really into comparing players. You know, I think that everyone played in a different era and, you know, everyone has different assets that they can bring to the game. But you know, when you look at Michael Jordan, he was special. You know what I mean? Kobe Bryant is special. LeBron is special. But I think you have to put Michael Jordan at the top of that, that mountain, you know, as far as what he did to the game. Well, I'll tell you guys this. Uh, UFC 251 is right around the corner. A matter of fact, it's a couple hours away. This is one of the best cards we have seen in a long time. Dana White put it together, obviously, because it's Fight Island. He's been promoting this really promotional thing for the last couple of months. It hasn't come to fruition, but now we're seeing it. It's coming. And I love the card. I I'm, I'm interested to see the main event. Um, Kamaru uh, Usman versus Masvidal. Masvidal stepped in for Burns. Burns, who came down with COVID-19. I think this is going to be a sensational fight. You're talking about two great fighters, two stand-up fighters, Kamaru, who could take him to the ground, dominate him on the ground. And also, you could say whatever you want about Masvidal. Masvidal is a great stand-up fighter and also could take you down and dominate you on the ground. But I, I think this is going to be a st- straight-up battle on the top of the, you know, the top of the fight. And when we talk about both fighters, both of them can stand up and fight to the great people, the great fighters in the middleweight division. But I look at Mad Vidal. Mad Vidal coming into this fight, just like we saw uh, in the Ferguson fight. You're talking about Gagey coming into the fight two weeks before the fight. The advantage goes to Mad Vidal because Usman did not train to fight Mad Vidal. And, and Mad Vidal is just walking right in. Win or lose, he can win the title in this fight or hey, he's winning a lot of money because he's going to get a big payout in this fight, especially fighting in the main event. Yeah, I mean, and there's, and there's no pressure on him. You know, he, he, he jumped into this card two weeks before the fight. You know, he, all the weight is on Usman right now. He has to perform. He is the guy who's expected to come in and, and show out because uh, Masvidal has such late notice. But I, I love this fight. I love this card. Uh, these are two competitors, guys who can get after it. They're scrappy. Uh, it's going to be a very entertaining fight, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if we didn't see a knockout tonight. Oh, I think you're going to see a knockout tonight. And I'll tell you this, this card is sensational. And that's coming from me saying that it's sensational. It's incredible. You have the return of Max Holloway, Holloway coming back. Max Holloway, the co-main event. I, I can't wait to see that fight. And we have Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo, who does not belong in this position. I, I'm sorry. Five, uh, five fights ago, he got knocked out by Conor McGregor. Now all of a sudden he's in a title fight. This guy hasn't won in the last five fights. So I, I am completely thrown off, completely thrown off how Jose Aldo versus Peter Yon, Peter Yon in, this, in this fight, this championship fight. So I, I am completely thrown off on this. 
Yeah, I, I agree. You know, but but listen, that's how it, that's how it ends up sometimes. Uh, you know, guys end up. You know, it's all about opportunity, taking advantage of that time, and, and this is his time to kind of redeem himself from getting getting knocked out by McGregor. He can come in and step up and and, and probably get back to where he wanted to be before that last fight. So uh, it's all about opportunity, taking advantage of it, and we'll see if he can if he can do so tonight. As you guys know, when we come back, we're going to get into a lot of different sports. We're going to get into the New York Jets, Jamal Adams. The saga just never ends for the New York Jets. Deshaun Jackson uh, is getting reprimanded for what the, the things that he said over the last couple of days. So we're going to get into that when we come back here on the Weekend Crunch. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Eric Coleman. I'll tell you this right now. It's been crazy the last couple of weeks. We've been planning this and we've been pushing this. But there is a particular subject I want to get into. And I know you're an ex-New York Jet. You've had your ties with the New York Jets the last couple of years. You work for SNY. You work for the New York Jets. I want to get into this whole Jamal Adams saga. And there's so many stories coming out from the New York Jets organization. Joe Douglas coming out and stating all the different things that he has stated, that he wants to keep Jamal Adams. He's, a long, he's going to be a Jet for life. My opinion to this is if he want, and I know a lot of GMs are going to say this and a lot of GMs are going to say that because they don't want to hurt the fact that they can move him and try to get as much as they can get for him. So they're not going to tell you, well, we're going to trade him because uh, they lose the options of trying to get as much draft picks or much, as much players as they, get, they can get for him. So, Eric, I want to ask you this question. Before I state and attack you, because I know what you're going to say, and you're an XDB for the New York Jets, you're an ex-safety, so you know the position. What are, what are your thoughts to the whole Jamal Adams saga, asking for the money that he has been asking for, knowing that he still has two years left to his contract? What I think about it is, listen, Jamal has, has been – he's lived up to everything. You know, his, his draft pick, he was the number six pick of the draft. And, and when you draft a player in the top ten, you're expecting that player to be a pro bowler. You're expecting them to be an all pro. You're expecting them to perform whenever they step on the field. And they didn't get that out of Leonard Williams, but they're definitely getting that out of Jamal Adams. And w when you see Adams, he's a game changer. You know, he's a, a transcendent player, probably one of the best safeties in the NFL right now. And when, if I'm Jamal Adams, I look around, I see Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, all these guys getting taken care of. They're, they're getting paid two years out uh, from, from their free agency period. If I'm Jamal Adams, listen, I want to get paid too. You know, this is a business. You're in this game uh, to make money, uh, to secure wealth for your family. And that's why the guys sacrifice their lives and put their, their bodies on the line and, and go out there and play hard. You know, Jamal Adams is a guy who there's not a person watching the game, watching the New York Jets who can have a complaint about Jamal. You know, when they're, they're losing, whether they're winning, Jamal has the same energy. He's the, he brings the, he, he's the tone setter for the defense, brings the intensity. He's a great blitzer. He's great in coverage. Uh, he, he's an emotional leader. He holds everyone accountable. He is the, the exact player that if you're the New York Jets that you want as your franchise, leading your franchise. And, I think it sets a great example if the Jets get him signed to a long-term deal uh, because it shows that, you know, if you're a draft pick, you come in here and perform, you work hard, you're going to get rewarded for it. And if, you, you know, you let Jamal go, what, do you, what example are you telling the young guys? You know, what are we working for? The hardest working guy on our team, the, 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 the top player, the MVP of our team can't get paid? 
and everyone else around the league is getting paid. I, I think that Jamal is right to ask for this money. You know, you never know what's going to happen with injuries, and that's the only security as a player that you can have is that long-term deal. Why am I not surprised you stick up for Jamal Adams? I am a Jet fan, and everybody knows I'm a Jet fan. Eric, I followed you for all the years that you were with the New York Jets. I still follow you on SNY, and I'll tell you this right now, and even growing as a partner of mine on this show, I disagree. Jamal Adams, he has a rookie contract he has to live up to. This is a guy that's been in the league for three years. He's fought some injuries, not big injuries, small injuries, and the guy only has 12 sacks. Yes, he has been the big – and I know you're going to laugh. Only He's got 12 sacks? 12 sacks, man. Yeah, he set a record last year. For I, I understand he said – well, he set a record in three games. He show set a, a record in three rusher. games. Show me a pass rusher for the Jets who has got 12 sacks. Well, John Abraham was the last pass rusher I can even uh, predict to say <laughs> that he was anywhere close. And I agree with you. He has 12 sacks, and he has been the best defensive player the Jets have had in a very long time. But, again, the guy's only been in the league for three years, and he's asking for Landon Collins' money. More than that, he's asking between 90 and $100 million. And I understand he thinks he deserves more money. No question that he does. He deserves every single penny. And just like I believe every athlete in football, the, the span of an NFL player is six years, five years the most. And Jamal Adams, he can fight injury and never get a contract like that again. But again, this is a guy that's living to expectations. This is a guy that hasn't even gotten the Jets into the playoffs yet. When he does that, then he will get that money. Joe Douglas wants to give him that money. I'm sure he does. And as a Jet fan, when you hear stories that Jamal Adams gave Joe Douglas a list of teams he wants to go to, and by the way, he said that he wants to be a Jet for life. If you wanted to be a Jet for life, no offense, Eric Coleman, and Eric, and I'll tell you this right now. If you're, or if you're saying that you want to be a Jet for life and all that stuff that you're hearing from his camp that he wants to be there, why the heck would you go to Joe Douglas and give eight or seven teams on a list? He obviously planned this. He obviously thought about this before this even came out. So I disagree. I think that he deserves the money. I just don't think right now. Now the Jets have a player of this magnitude. And, and by the way, they're not trying to build around Jamal Adams. They're trying to build around Sam Darnold. As you can see with the offensive line and what Joe Douglas has done in the offseason, you see what they did at drafting Becton, drafting Mims in the second round, giving him a wide receiver. You see the, the, the different offseason moves that he's made. More offensive moves than defensive moves. So again, C.J. Mosley coming back this year. You see what they're coming with, with their defense. Last year with secondary defensive players, in the second half of the season, they were ranked in a top 10 defensively and practically in Why were they ranked statistic. in the top 10? Why were they ranked in the top 10? Well, they also played really bad teams at the end of the no, season. The, the, the reason they're ranked in the top 10 <laughs> is because of Jamal Adams. You have no C.J. Mosley, no Avery Williamson. Every other player on that defense is hurt or underperformed, yet Jamal Adams goes out there, dominates, has an all-pro year for you. I, I mean, I, I don't get the argument. You know, I, Jamal is a guy, he's an emotional player. You can see the way he plays emotionally, and that's how he lives his life. Yes, he's upset. Yes, he gets frustrated when Joe Douglas goes out and says, I'm not going to trade you, and then you hear a couple weeks later that he's taking calls from teams about trading you that this that right there if I'm Jamal Adams you know you're an emotional player you give me your word that you're not going to trade me then I hear that you're fielding calls you're dead to me our relationship is, is fractured and, and yes I am going to give you a list of teams that I want to go play for because obviously you're, you're telling the media you want me to be a jet for life and you're not going to trade me but yet behind the scenes you are going out and shopping me and, and I think that if you're Jamal I mean listen you're an emotional guy. You, you take pride in what you do. You leave it all out on the field. 
I'm going to be emotional too. I got mad about that. So, so I understand. But at the same time, when you, when you talk about the team, not, they're not, them not building the team around Jamal, Jamal is what has been holding this team together while Sam Darnold was out, while C.J. Mosley's out. He is the leader of this team and the MVP, the best player on the field whenever he's on the field. So he is your best player. I don't care what you're doing to, to build around it. Jamal has been holding this thing together along with the guys, you know, the role players. But he, he's a big reason for that. No, I, and I agree. He's the best player on the New York Jets right now. There's no argument that he's the best player on the New York Jets right now. But C.J. Mosley's coming back, and I'm sorry. I'm going to take C.J. Mosley over a guy of that magnitude, Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is a great player. There's no question. Hey, hey, so, so they always talk about the, the abilities, right? Yeah. You know, there's there's yeah. The, the ability. There's the, the accountability. Mm -hmm. But there's the big one is the availability. Mm -hmm. And Jamal has been available. Yeah, he's, he's been healthy. For you. C.J. Mosley gave you one half of football last year. And while he is a great player, uh, you know, a dominant force at Baltimore. You made a couple of big plays when he was in here with the Jets. You need him on the field. And Jamal is a guy who you can count on. I Listen, I'm not taking away what Jamal Adams is. Again, I love Jamal Adams. He's a great player. He's a big part of where the New York Jets should go. But I'm sorry. If he's going to demand things, I'm going to trade him. And there are stories coming out from the New York Jets and really from the different stories that I've been reading is that the Seattle Seahawks are a team that's very, very intrigued and very interested in Jamal Adams. But I've been hearing stories from the Jets organization that if they were to move Jamal Adams, Le'Veon Bell would have to be the other player involved in the trade because they want to get rid of the contract. Everything that I've heard through the New York Jets organization that Adam Gase did not want him there. And Joe Douglas didn't want the contract. He took over a contract that he did not bring to the team. And again, Le'Veon Bell is still a good player. He didn't have a great season last year, but they didn't have a good offensive line. I think this would be a breakout season for the New York Jets if they had Le'Veon Bell. But again, if they decide to move Jamal Adams, who's been demanding to go to the Cowboys for the last two years, every single thing we've heard, and I don't care what anybody says, this man wants to go to the Dallas Cowboys. He grew up a Dallas Cowboy fan. He's from Texas. Of course, he wants to go over there to Dallas and play with the, the what do they call it, America's team? Give me a break. I'll tell you this right now, Jerry Jones, as good as he is as an owner, as good as he is as a, an investor when it comes to helping and building this, you know, this team, this organization called the Cowboys, that star sounds nothing to what we believe they were in the 90s. I, I'm sorry. When I look at the Cowboys right now, they're trying to draw all these ex-players uh, like Clinton Haha Dix or uh, Poe from all these different teams because they think that's going to clean up their defensive problems. Their defensive problems lack even more than Jamal Adams. Even if they land Jamal Adams, that secondary, that cornerback, uh, that DB positioning uh, first and second positions that they need to fill in, they have not filled in. They went after C.D. Lamb in the first round. It made absolutely no sense, even though I think it was a steal getting C.D. Lamb in the first round at number 17. But Jamal Adams, I I'm sorry. If, if he doesn't want to be a Jet and he's come out and said, hey, listen, trade me. And he's demanding a trade, so move him. Move him if if he doesn't want to be. Has, move he him. has said he's, he has said that he wants to be a Jet, and the, the Jets have told him that they want him to be a lifelong Jet. And but they're not, they're not showing it. They're they're saying it, but their actions aren't showing that they want him here. So if you're a player, you take pride in what you do. Are you going to want to be valued? I believe that Jamal Adams has earned the right to be valued by whatever organization he plays for. And, you know, whether it, whether it be uh, giving you a list of teams that I can possibly go get traded to, then I'm going to give it to you. But at the same time, he wants to be valued. He wants to, uh, you know, be compensated for all the work that he does on the field and the value that he brings to the team. So I, I can't blame him for that.
When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the whole transition of baseball. We are going to get more into football a little bit later in the show. We will talk about the New York Giants and the Joe Judge hiring. Uh, I definitely want to hear Eric's take on that. But when we come back, we're going to get into this whole Steve Cohen, New York Mets saga. $4 billion was offered to the New York Mets for the Mets organization for the team and SNY. When we come back, we'll get into that here on the Weekend Crunch. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch here on the LI News Radio. I am very, very happy to be here. And by the way, I made a mistake. Coming back from break, I wanted to fix my mistake. Eric Coleman doesn't work for SNY anymore. He works for CBS New York. So I want to apologize to you, Eric. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. All good, baby. We just got to get it right. We got to get it right, man. As you guys know, I want to apologize to Eric Coleman because I was promoting SNY when I should be promoting CBS New York. But anyways, I want to get into this New York Mets situation. And over the last couple of days, the Wilpons are practically raffling off the New York Mets. And over the last couple of years, the Mets and the Wilpons have been called the coupons because this team has not really spent any money. They haven't opened up their pockets. So many free agents have come and go, and they haven't had the opportunity to make a move for a big-time player because of the money situation. And I'll tell you, I don't want to hear about Bernie Madoff. This is an organization. This is an organization owned by a multi-billion-dollar company and, and an owner like the Wilpons. I look at the Mets right now. They're trying to sell their team because they're in desperate need to move on from this organization. Too many family problems over there right now with Jeff and his brother and the father situation. When I look at the New York Mets right now and this bidding, everybody wanted Steve Cohen. Uncle Stevie is what they call him over here in Long Island, New York. I'll tell you this right now, Eric, when I look at Stevie Cohen and Steve Cohen, whatever you want to call him, this is a guy that absolutely can put the money and spend the money in the Mets pocket. The organization needs a guy like this. This guy is going to be the richest owner. If he takes over the New York Mets, he buys SNY, he buys the Mets, he will be the richest owner in Major League Baseball. So I love this move. If it happens, this is a good news for the New York Mets fan. I'm a Yankee fan, so... Obviously, I am not too happy, but I'm not too sad. I don't root against the New York Mets because I think the Mets are an organization that can't compete with the New York Yankees. But I want to know your opinion, Eric. When you look at the ownership right now, and I know everybody keeps talking about Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez and obviously the Harris organization who owns the New Jersey, uh, New Jersey Devils and owns the Philadelphia 76ers. What are your thoughts to Steve Cohen taking over this team? Well, you know, first I have to give a shout out to the Will Ponds because when I was a rookie with the New York Jets, uh, I, I met uh, a couple of them, you know, out, out on Long Island and they gave me tickets to my first Major League Baseball game. And I've been a Mets fan ever since. But, uh, you know, when you stick, I feel bad for you. <laughs> when, you think about, when you think about Steve Cohen taking over the team, you as a, a Yankees fan will understand this, that listen, you got to peel back your pocketbooks if you want to have success in Major League Baseball. You have to be willing to write the checks to the big-time players. You have to be willing to put money into the organization if you want to be competing for World Series. Now, yes, there have been examples of smaller market teams, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, you know, you look at the Marlins one year, you know, that, that, that have been competitive without spending all the money. 
traditionally you have to spend money to get the big time players in New York if you want to be competing for World Series. And who would not want to come to New York and play? Yes, the Yankees have been the draw in the past, but the Mets are a great organization. Uh, I think they have a lot of history. And if you win in New York, it just takes your, your career to a whole nother level. So I think it's a great draw for free agency if you have an owner here that wants to, 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 to pay players and keep players comfortable. Well, this team has been an absolute joke. They brought in uh, an agent like Brody Van Wagenen. Has he, been, has he been bad for the New York Mets organization? He hasn't been. I mean, his drafts have been good. We've looked at the last two drafts. They've been sensational. You look at where they were in the, in the five rounds this year. They added some good players to that farm system that's been very, very weak the last couple of years. And you look at guys like Noah Syndergaard, who's going to be asking for a big-time contract. Jacob deGrom is probably sitting back right now and seeing that this, this move of new ownership, he's probably wondering why he took the contract that he did because if he stayed put and he absolutely waited another year and this happened, he would have gotten 200, $250 million by a guy like Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen is a born Met fan. This is a guy that lived in Long Island all these years, a hedge fund guy, has big pockets. He will open his pockets. And knowing that you see free agents, free agents next year like Mookie Betts and JT Real Muto, you have some good players that you can go after in the near future for this organization. The problem right now when you look at the Wilpons, they don't want to give up SNY. They don't want to give up SNY, but there are stories coming out that if they give up SNY, Steve Cohen will give them $4 billion, get them out of all the different turmoil they're in when money that they owe from different organizations and the whole Madoff thing has really set this, uh, this family back, the Wilpons back. This is a real estate organization, this family that has owned a lot of real estate here. They're working with the New York Islanders at the Belmont. They're, they're, I think they look at this, this team right now as a burden. And it's been a burden for them since the Madoff situation. So I think trading it or selling it or whatever the heck they're going to do is what I think is best for the Met fan and best for the organization. When you look at this roster right now, Eric, and you talk about Pete Alonso, Noah Syndergaard, Yoenis Cespedes, Jacob DeGrom, Jeff McNeil, Marcus Stroman, I can go on and go on and go on. This is a, it's still a very talented team that has good pitching. What is your thoughts going into this season, if there is a season, by the way, what is your thoughts to the New York Mets with this roster, this team, and with a new owner? Well, you know, let's forget about the owner because the owner is not going to be out there playing. You know, you, you talk about the players out in the field. Now, if everybody can stay healthy, if everybody can perform up to, the, to their billing, then I think the Mets have a, a good chance to be competitive this year. The problem has been guys haven't been available. You know, there's been a ton of injuries. Uh, guys have been playing underneath their, their expectations. And when you have that, I don't care what team you are, I don't care what owner you have, how much money you're being paid. If you're underperforming and you're not healthy, you're not going to be able to compete in the major league, in the major leagues, especially in the national leagues with, with so much uh, talent, you know? So I think you have to forget about the owner at this point and, and let's talk about the players performing, uh, exceeding expectations, coming together and playing good baseball. And I think that's really where you get a good start. Now in the next off season, that's when the ownership comes in. When you talk about, you know, being able to pay players, you know, making facilities nicer, making the Mets organization more attractive to free agents, because, uh, you know, if you can't get the, the key free agents in, in free agency, you're not going to have an opportunity to compete. So I think, you know, once this season is done, that's when you start to see the effect of the new ownership. 
And also, you talk about Ioannis Cespedes, who is going to be asking for a big-time contract at the end of the season. This is a guy that's missed practically two years. I mean, he got attacked by a wild boar. I mean, the stories keep going on and going on. It reminds me of the Jets. I mean, Mm -hmm. how many stories over the years with Rex Ryan, the jokes and and Geno Smith getting knocked out by one of the players, and then you hear about this guy, Ioannis Cespedes, getting attacked by a wild boar and hurting his ankle or whatever the hell happened to him, hurt his back. Uh, I I think that this organization is – has been in a turmoil ever since the Wilpons took over the team in the, two th- the early 2000s. When I look at the New York Mets right now and this organization as a whole, this is a good organization. This is an organization that has very trustworthy and fans that love the organization as a whole. If you spend money, the fans will come. The fans want to see a winning product out there. And even if they don't win with some of the good players, if they add a Mookie Betts or a JT Romuto, I do believe that the fans will come. They will pack out the stadium. Look at what the Mets were. When they went to the World Series, that run at the World Series, what was it, 2017, uh, 2016? I'm sorry, 2015. Um, when, you, when you think of the run that they had in 2015, it was an incredible feat. And, and by the way, City Field was the loudest it's ever been, okay? The fans were shaking. I remember I was there at one of the games, and I, I think it was against the Dodgers, if I'm not mistaken. And the Mets, the fans, you felt the boards. You felt the front row shaking when I was there. So I'll tell you this right now. Met fans love their team. They love their team just as much as Yankee fans. I want to hear this going back and forth. Well, the Yankees are better than the Mets. I'm a Yankee fan. And even as a Yankee fan, I look at the Mets organization. They're not in competition with the Yankees. They never were in competition with the Yankees. I would like to see another sports team in New York winning because I'll tell you this right now. You know, and I know, Eric, New York sports has not been good. It hasn't been good. Who are we talking about? The Yankees? What we've been talking about, maybe at certain aspects or time, the Giants. Who else? Who else is good right now? The Rangers here and there? Yeah, I mean, listen, the sports world is a better place when New York sports are on top. You know, you, you think back to basketball in the NBA. You know, how awesome is it to turn on, turn on basketball and, and see the, next, the Knicks be competitive? You know, to see the, the Rangers be competitive, to see the Giants and the Jets be competitive. This is the center of the media capital of the world. This is where everybody likes to come. And if the New York, if, you're, if you win in New York, it just t- gets elevated to the next level. You know it what I mean? It comes see- to you, <laughs> New York, New York. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you, you see how many stars are made in New York. I mean, you look at the Giants, you look at the Yankees. Uh, if you can win in New York, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And they are some of the most loyal fans that you have ever seen. You know, everyone can talk about their loyalty, but until you play for the Jets and have a winning season and see the crowds, you know, over overwhelm, you know, you see the love on the streets and then the next year you're losing and you see the same amount of people in the stands, they might be booing you, but they're still going to show up. You know what I mean? Because they, they have that love for their teams and it's about time for New York to step up, have some winning organizations and give these New Yorkers, give these Long Islanders the five boroughs, give everybody something to cheer about uh, because they all deserve it. And we all know that. Hey, Eric, you wouldn't cheer if J-Lo and Alex Rodriguez took over the team. You get to see (laughs) J-Lo dancing around on the field, throwing the first pitch of the season. Come on. Who would want to see J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, shaking her booty? I mean, seriously, (laughs) I would. But I'll tell you this right now. 
straight up, straight, straightforward right now. I want Steve Cohen for the Met fans because he has deep pockets. He will open his pockets. And that's what the Met fans want to see. The organization for years has had this problem. And I don't want to hear about Yoannis Cespedes. I don't want to hear about anything that we've heard over the last couple of years with Jacob deGrom. They underpaid Jacob deGrom. They underpaid him. And I think where you look at this organization and you want to see a winning franchise, you need to open your pockets. You got to build around, obviously, the farm system that's been weak ever since Sandy Alderson took over. But again, this is a team that has a chance to win. I like this team. I think they have a lot of talent. And everybody that's taking shots at the Diaz move, the Robinson Cano move, this is still a talented, talented team. And to me, when you, when you move forward as an organization, you need a guy that has deep pockets and that's going to show love to the organization. Absolutely. I mean, I think back to any organization that I played for, you know, uh, you know when I went to Atlanta. You know, Arthur Blank was one of the most generous and, uh, and caring owners that I've ever played for. You know, he spent a lot of time in the community. And when it was free agency time, when, when there were players coming in, they would ask you, you know, what is it like to play here? And as a player, you give them your honest opinion. You know, I, I can think back to when Mangini was the head coach. When free agents would walk into the locker room, guys would just be nodding their head. Don't come here. Don't do it because this is, this is not the place you want to play. And I go to Atlanta. Everybody wants to come to come play for the Falcons. So there are a lot of free agent signings. You start to have the success and you see it out there on the field. So if you can get a good ownership in there, get good leadership in the organization, I think it becomes a destination for all players. I think that the, the Mets fans will have something to cheer about and you'll see one of the top franchises in Major League Baseball if you have that proper ownership. Speaking of ownership, when we come back, we'll get into some, some Yankees conversation. I'll tell you this right now. The New York Yankees made a big move in the offseason, adding a top pitcher, Garrett Cole, for $326 million. I have my intake and thought to the New York Yankees moving forward, especially in a 60-game season. I definitely want to hear Eric's here on the Weekend Crunch. <laughs> Come on, Eric. You know this track, man. Come on. Little Tupac. Oh, yeah. I'm loving it, man. I'm loving it. I'm back. Little we West Coast back. for us. <laughs> As you know, guys, this is the Weekend Crunch. We are here every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. at night here on the LI News Radio. I'm very excited to be here. I know Eric Coleman is. I, I, I've been waiting for this for a very, very long time and having a partner of his magnitude, a guy that's been in the NFL for nine years. Uh, he's been gracious to come and join me and do this show all over Long Island. Shout out to Long Island. Long Island has a Long voice. Long Island. Yes, the voice for radio now, New York Sports Radio. This isn't WFAN. This isn't ESPN. And I'm not taking shots at them. This is the LI News Radio. This is Long Island News, 103.9. We're happy to be here. I'm very excited to be here. But I want to get into the Yankees. And we were just talking about the Mets and where the Mets are going. This organization is very well run. And a shout out to the Steinbrenner family losing Hank Steinbrenner in the last couple of months. From I, I, Nobody has – it hasn't come out of what he passed away from, but he had a lot of technical difficulties uh, over the last couple of years uh, with his lungs and everything that's gone on. So I want to give a shout-out to the Steinbrenner family. I, I, again, I don't know if it was COVID-19, but uh, he passed away a couple of months ago. But how Steinbrenner has really run this high – 
oiled, well-run machine. And Aaron Boone has really not taken a step back since he's taken over for Joe Girardi. I know a lot of Yankee fans were upset when you had Aaron Boone take over this organization. A lot of Yankee, Yankee fans do not like Aaron Boone still to this day. And now Philadelphia has a very good manager in Joe Girardi. But I look at this team right now, and I understand they needed an ace. They had Paxton. They have Tanaka. They have the, the assembled pieces that they needed to win a championship. And they needed that ace, that number one guy. And I love Garrett Cole, and I love Steven Strasburg. Those are the two guys that every Yankee fan wanted. They wanted the hands-on. I mean, it was like a shiny piece of gold to get one of these guys. And when you look at Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole was a guy that was drafted by the Yankees, Eric, in 2008. And he decided to go and play in college ball. And then he obviously went back into the draft, was drafted in the first round by Pittsburgh, and there we go. Brian Cashman has loved this kid since day one. And now all of a sudden he became a free agent from Houston. We all know about Houston. We'll get into that a little bit later because I want to know your take on the Houston Astros debacle on cheating and the scandal that they had. And I want to hear about the Yankees and the letters that everybody keeps saying that the Yankees cheated. Everybody has cheated and stolen signs, but the way Houston did it is on a whole nother level. But Garrett Cole got a $326 million contract from the New York Yankees. And I'll tell you this right now. As much as I love the move, $326 million, that's $39 million a year for a pitcher that's only going to pitch between 28 and 32 starts. You're talking about 32 starts at most, at most. And this guy is going to get 30, averaged out every single pitch. Just think about this. Numbers show this. He will be getting $12,000 every single pitch. He pitches for the New York Yankees. Okay, so my, my question to you is, how much how much money is a win worth? Because when you have a guy like Garrett, Garrett Cole, you know, I'm not saying he's guaranteeing a win, but he's going to do his part out there on the field, and you're going to give get 32 probably W's when he's out there on the field. So that puts you that much closer to being in first place, being in playoff position, to put yourself in position to, to compete in a World Series. And that money is going to, you know, grow tenfold if you go to the if you go to the World Series consistently. So, you know, that's this goes back to our last conversation. It takes money to build a winner. It takes money to draw those big name free agents. And the Yankees have been willing to, to write those checks. And that's why they've been competitive for the last 20 years. Eric, it doesn't throw you off that this guy is making $326 million. I, I, to me, I understand you're an ex-athlete, so you know what it is to put your body on the line, and you've worked really, really hard to make the money that you've earned. And I understand that. I'm not taking that away from any athlete. They deserve every single penny, as much as I think Jamal Adams deserves the money. I just think he deserves the money two years from now. When I look at Garrett Cole, he waited for this contract. The Yankees gave him the contract that he wanted. But here's the thing. The Yankees needed Andy Pettit to go to him and ask him and practically, I wouldn't say beg him, but really promote the Yankees for him to come here. He didn't – I know he says it was a long, long-lasting you know, goal to play for the New York Yankees. If it was long-lasting and you wanted to be a Yankee, why didn't you just go to the Yankees in 2008 and not make the Yankees make all these uh, transitions that they needed to make to get you after all that time? So, again, 
I understand what you're saying. He could give you a lot of wins. He's going to give you a chance to win every single time he's on the mound. No question that he does. But you also have players like Aaron Judge you got to pay. You just pay. You, you just brought in John Carlos Stan practically for free because uh, Derek Jeter doesn't know what the hell he's doing over there, trading away Christian Yelich, who is the MVP right now in the National League. The Yankees got the MVP of the National League the year before that. Uh, and, and you have guys like Glaber Torres, who's going to want a big contract. He's going to want a $200 million contract a couple of years from now. This is the best player on the team, I believe. DJ LeMayhu, who next year, I think next year, he's a free agent after next year, where he might want to come back to the Yankees. You're going to have to pay him. There are so many players right now and so many young, talented players that they have. They still have Paxton that is going to be a free agent after next year. You're going to need to add him. I understand the Yankees have the deep pockets. The Yankees are not going to go over the luxury tax. They're not going to do it. They haven't done it for years. They're not going to do it now. The Yankees have done everything in their possible way to build their farm system. They're right now, I think, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, they're ranked ninth or 10th right now in baseball. In the last couple of years, they've been ranked in the top five. You talk about Aaron Judge and Glaber Torres and Gary Sanchez and all the young, Clint Frazier and all those players. I'll tell you this, Eric. When, when you look at the Yankees and this organization moving forward, you have to say they're in a good place, but you got to pay these players. And you know, and I know. Absolutely. Gonna- absolutely. You, you, you got to pay the players. And, you know, it, I, it's always interesting for me when people get enamored with how much money these players are making, the contracts that they sign, and nobody ever brings up how much the money the owners are making. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So in order to write that check, you have to be able to, to, to fund that money. And so obviously the owners are, are getting compensated well, and it's a great investment for everybody. You know, the, the owners write the checks, the, the team gets to W's and everybody eats, you know, and I think that's a great uh, equation, you know, when you pay the players and they go out there and perform. And that's what it's going to come down to come down to with John Carlos Stanton, with Aaron Judge, with all these players that the Yankees have. Are they going to perform? Are you going to take the take us to the World Series and get us another uh, championship? You know, because if you if you do so, now we can keep writing checks. If you're out there underperforming, then the checks kind of the, the well dries up and people are, are hesitant to write those checks. But when you look at a guy like Garrett Cole, who was drafted out of high school and decided to go to college, I commend him. You know, I commend him for for understanding that he wasn't mature enough to step into the major leagues or, or go play in the minor leagues. And he wanted to develop, get his education, go to college. And now he's in a position to where he went and played for the Astros. He has the experience. He can come back and play for that organization that originally drafted him and do it the right way. I think it worked out well for everyone. He was compensated. The Yankees are, are getting a player who they know for a fact is a, is a star. And, and, and listen, I think it worked out for everyone, and I'm glad that he was mature enough to make that decision at such a young age. Eric, speaking about ownership, what did you think about the, the negotiations of a season, 60-game season? The players were complaining they wanted 100% of their money this year, and, and the, the ownership was trying to negotiate a 114-game season for, I think, 50% of the players' contract, their money, and the players did not want to do that. It went all the way down to 80-something games, and the players, they want to agree to that. And now all of a sudden, it's 60 games where the players, I think, get 30% of their earnings. What were your thoughts with, with the negotiation? I know a lot of people say the owners have the money. They should open up their pockets as well as they should. I disagree that the players should get 100% of their money because even though they're billionaires, they still got to pay out contracts. They still have to pay out fees. So what were your thoughts to the whole situation with the players union and the MLB union? 
Well, you know, this, this, that's a great question. And, and me being a, a union rep for, for five years in the NFL, I understand what goes on behind, behind the closed doors. You know, owners are getting paid a certain amount of money. And if you're a player, you, you only have a certain amount of years of playing. Well, you know, while you see baseball, their careers are longer, uh, you know, players play up to 20 years in baseball. Uh, but at the same time, at some point, your body's going to give out and you have to be compensated for going out there and sacrificing. You know, who knows? You can get a Tommy John uh, injury and go out there and have to have some type of procedure where it messes up your money in the future. So the only comfort that you have as a player is, is your pay. And so you want to make sure that you're compensated for, for going out there and risking, you know, your, your body and going out there and entertaining everyone. Uh, but I, I do ultimately think that it was a win-win for both sides. You know, the owners are going to make a good amount of money. The players are going to make money. Uh, you know, when you think about the NFL, you know, we used to get paid, we get paid game checks. So you get paid 17 times a year. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't play in the game, you get suspended a game, you're missing a paycheck. So if you're not playing the 17 games, I, I wouldn't expect to get paid for 17 checks. So, uh, you know, that's just the way it goes. And I'm glad that they were able to, to come to a compromise and, and play and go out there and get this 60 game season to entertain these fans and, and give us something that we've all been waiting for. Oh, absolutely. But I, I'll tell you this. I think the owners, they, they were trying to renegotiate some of the different deals that could have been offered on the table. The players were not agreeing to it. I heard what uh, Snell said uh, on, I forget what it was, uh, what, what was one of the, the channels that he was talking on Twitch. I think it was Twitch. He was on Twitch. He plays a lot of video games, Blake's now. So he had his own opinion right now with the major league and trying to negotiate the deals with the owners. I, I agree with you. I think the players deserve the money, but I, again, if you're not playing, if you're not playing a significant amount of games, you should not get hundred percent of the money. I think the players were wrong about that, demanding that and asking for that. But again, you, you do what you go, you, you do what you have to do for the, 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 the best of the players and the MLB was trying to do the best for the organizations and, and the owners. So, I agree with you in, in thought that baseball needs to find a way to ne renegotiate this CBA deal after this season or the next two years, because I'll tell you this right now, there is going to be a DH implemented in the national league. I, I guarantee you that's going to happen. And also when you look at the MLB and you look at where it's going with some of the new rules, the umpire electronic umpire that want behind the plate. I, I don't, I don't agree with it, but Again, that's something they want to implement because they think it's going to make the game faster. I disagree. I think they need to figure out how players need to stay in the box, stop playing with their gloves, stop smelling their bats, and get in, the, you know, get in the box and start swinging at the ball. I think that's a huge problem right now in baseball. And that's why the Yankees and the, and the Red Sox, they play for like three, four hours when the game should be only two and a half hours. It's, it, it's an incredible situation that Rob Manford needs to figure out. I agree. I agree. The, the games are, are you know, they, they can be torture, you know, sitting here watching a game for, for three or four hours and sitting in your seat and, and watching guys take their time. But I think they're going to find a way to, to speed up the game, make it more appealing to fans, uh, you know, for, especially for the younger generation. You know, everyone right now, they want to look down at their screen for 15 seconds and get some instant gratification. You know, you're going to have to speed up the game if you want the younger generation to embrace the game of baseball and to continue to let it grow. Well, we're going to get back into football when we come back. We're going to get into the whole Deshaun Jackson situation. Uh, the Eagles have now uh, dropped the hammer on Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Julian Edelman has reached out to Deshaun Jackson to talk to him and, and try to figure out how they can work together moving forward with all this, you know, everything that's happened in the last couple of days. When we come back, we'll get into that, and we'll get into some New York Giants conversation here on the Weekend Crunch. little dance moves music now i said almost said moose music but 
music. <laughs> this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Eric Coleman. We are here every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. We're very happy to be here. Eric is in his box in Florida right now. <laughs> I'm yes, at the sir. studios of the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We're very happy to be here on the LI News Radio. Uh, shout out to John, Pat, and Bruce. Shout out to Mike Catino from New York Sports Scene Magazine for bringing us on here. We're very excited to be here. But I want to get into this whole Deshaun Jackson situation. I know there's so much going on in the world, and I don't really want to get into politics or anything that's going on in the world that has nothing to do with sports. But this story came out a couple of days ago, and Deshaun Jackson, who I, I actually like. I like Deshaun Jackson. I met him a couple of years ago at an event. He was very nice to me. He gave me a great interview and really straightforward. He comes from a city like Oakland. This is, this is a kid that's been through so many different things in his life. I'm talking about gang-related stuff. And this is a guy that's moved in different places, organizations, for the last couple of years. And now he's back with the Eagles. He didn't play last year, and he really missed the whole season because of injury. And now he's coming back this season. We don't know where the season is going to go. OTAs could start next month. It could start next week. It could start whenever with Roger Goodell. We don't know what to expect with Roger Goodell. But Deshaun Jackson came out with some anti-Semitic um, arguments. And really, he didn't attack anything, but he said something that he shouldn't have said. And my opinion is he should have just kept his mouth shut. Everything that's going on with the, the George Floyd situation, you don't attack a subject that right now there's just so much banter going back and forth in so many different directions. I want to know your thought because I have talked about this on my shows, on Down to the Wire, on Below the Mic, and on our Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I want to know your thoughts to this whole Deshaun Jackson situation. Well, you know, I, I listen – Deshaun Jackson has been in this league for a long time. And, you know, to, to sit here and say that he was ignorant um, would obviously be an understatement. But ignorance is, is no excuse for this. You know, you, you can't quote a monster or cosign something that a monster said that, that, you know, affected so many people and continues to affect so many people and use that as a quote, whether that quote was meaning to be good or bad. Uh, you know, I, I think for Deshaun, he has to, to step back. And, and, and I love how Julian Edelman is kind of embracing him and trying to educate him. I, I saw that Deshaun is meeting with, with Holocaust, Holocaust survivors. And, uh, you know, he, he's doing his best to, to get a better understanding uh, for the, the things that the Jewish people have gone through in the past. So I, I think that right now, I think it's a learning lesson for everybody, for Deshaun, uh, but not only for Deshaun, but for everyone. You know, I, I know that me growing up on the West Coast, uh, I didn't know. What a, what a Jewish person was. I didn't know. I didn't know about different cultures until I got to New York. You know, so so that you know that's something that I would say is an excuse for Deshaun. But he's been around the league. He's been in the NFL for over ten years. Uh, you know, he's he's a grown man. You know what I mean? So I can't use that as any excuse for him. And, and I think it's definitely unacceptable. But I think it's a time, it's a lesson for, to be learned for everyone, both in the Jewish community and outside of the Jewish community, that not everybody understands. Uh, what you went through and, and I, I think that we're going through that as a country as a whole with the african-american community right. not everybody understands what we have been going through and, and i think that 
to have those conversations, to open up that dialogue is, is a great step in moving forward for all of us to understand what, you know, what the LGB, LGBTQ community goes through. Uh, I, I think that, you know, you put yourself in someone else's shoes and you try to understand somebody else's position, this world would be a, a much better place if everybody would embrace one another and put yourself in somebody else's shoes besides what goes on in your daily life. I think if you take interest in other people's uh, lives, then obviously this world would be a lot better. And, and same thing with Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman has said on Twitter, Deshaun and I spoke for a while last night. We're making plans to use our experiences to educate one another and grow together. Stay tuned. Yeah, Julian Edelman is uh, a guy that he, he's Jewish. I'm actually Jewish too. I have Jewish blood. And I didn't like what I read from Deshaun Jackson. I didn't. And I understand people make mistakes. They say the wrong thing. And he said the wrong thing. And yes, he's going to apologize. Let's see if he lives up to what he says he's going to do. And he's going to be a good Samaritan and try to help out in, in, in not only uh, different cultures, but help out the league as a whole. But I'll tell you this right now. Julian Edelman has been a good Samaritan with this. He did reach out to Deshaun Jackson. He didn't take shots at Deshaun Jackson. He wants to help the situation. So again, I love, and I am a big fan of Julian Edelman. I'm not a big fan of the New England Patriots. Everybody that knows me on my shows knows I can't stand the New England Patriots. But again, this is an organization uh, with Bill Belichick that demands respect. And Julian Edelman, a guy that's taking a step back, They've added Cam Newton, another guy that, earned, you know, he demands respect. I think that this organization, as well as their leadership, has spoken. And I think Julian Edelman, I'm sure, reached out to Bill Belichick before he spoke about this. I'm sure he did. And yeah. I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. But, but what I, what I was going to say is I think that this is a, a great scenario, and it shows you, like, when you look at the NFL, there are players – that are come from all different socioeconomic backgrounds, different uh, racial, you know, backgrounds, religions. And, and I think that is great that the players embrace one another. We are a brotherhood. There's only about, you know, 1700 active players each year, you know, and it's a small fraternity. And I think it's important that we take our different experiences and, and teach one another and help each other grow. I think that's a, a big part of our growth as players. Uh, you know, a lot of people come from different situations where they're not aware of every every uh, race, every, every religion, every, you know, all, all, how to respect everybody else. I think it's important that the players embrace one another and educate one another. And that's, I, we should do that as, as a, as a country. Absolutely. Continue, continue yeah. to have those conversations. I, I agree with you. Eric, I agree with everything that you stated. I think that this country should be together as one. I think the fact that we're attacking so many different ways and different ethnic groups and, and families. And, and I, I think that when you look at the whole big picture here, we're all one. We're, we're all one. We're one country. We, we're a one, one as people. We should be together as one. I think this has been a crazy couple of weeks. I mean, all the stuff that's going on in the world right now, the destruction that's going on in the world. Guys, we got to be together. Long Island, New York, all of us should be together as one. This should not be a fight between any ethnic group or anybody. We should all be together as one. But I love what Julian Edelman said. I want to get into the New York Giants. And I know a lot of Giant fans listen to sports radio. They listen to us. I'm sure they're going to be listening to us tonight. But Joe Judge, and I, 
I was very skeptical about this signing, okay? I, I don't know anything about Joe Judge. I don't know him as a, a receiving coach for the, the New England Patriots. I've heard a couple of stories from different players. Julian Edelman speaking very, very highly of him. He was one that really transitioned his game as a player from a quarterback. I, I, love, I love what they say about the guy. But again, why is the Giants bringing in another rookie coach? And I, don't, I know you, everybody's going to say, well, they didn't, the last coach wasn't a rookie. But in my eyes, he was only there with the Browns for a year. Okay? So to me, that's a rookie coach. When you look at Joe Judge, I want to know your opinion because you're, you're, you're an NFL player. You've been an NFL player, and you know how, you, how teams and organizations look for a coach, try to find a coach that fits to their culture. What was so high, and why did the Giants think he was so highly touted that they brought him into the organization? Well, you know, obviously, I, I think the Giants did their research. And, you know, obviously, you know, him, him not having head coaching experience, as a player, that's fine. You know, everyone, you're fine with that. Uh, you know, when you look at an NFL organization, the two coaches that never get talked about, that have the respect of all the players, are your special teams coach and your strength coach. They're the coaches that work with every single player. They have a relationship with every player. They demand, uh, they, they demand greatness from every player, and they don't have time to deal with your ego, uh, you know, you getting reps, you getting whatever. They don't care about that. All they care about is the bottom line is that we're getting better as a team. So I played for many special teams coaches that I felt would be amazing head coaches. I mean, you look at Keith Armstrong and with the Atlanta Falcons when I was there. Now he's with, I believe, Tampa Bay. Right, Tampa. He's, he's one of the, he is one of the best coaches I've ever played for. And he doesn't care, you know, you know, how much money you're getting paid, where you were drafted. You go out there on that field, you're going to perform. And he has respect from every player. So when I see a, a special teams coach get hired as a head coach, my, my ears perk up. You know, I understand that what he's going to demand from the players. I understand that he's going to have respect from the players and that, uh, you know, that we're all going to do this together. So I thought the, the hiring, it was puzzling. You know, this is a guy that no one, no one was talking about, but mm -hmm. he comes from a great organization. Uh, they teach the game of football the right way. Um, you, know, I, you know, I played for Eric Mangini, and I always talk about um, Eric Mangini and, you know, the, the trials and tribulations that I had with Eric Mangini. But one thing I've always said about him, He's the best X's and O's coach I've ever played for. Really? He knew the game front and back. He knew the ins and outs. He knew how to isolate players on defense. He knew how to stop a certain player on offense. He knew how to play mind games with quarterbacks. That organization teaches their coaches and players better than any organization I've ever seen. So for Joe Judge to come out of that New England program and to be the head coach of the Giants, I think it's a great step. You know, he's going to demand a lot from the coaches. They're all going to demand a lot from the players. And one thing about the New England Patriots organization, their players are not going to beat themselves. So, I mean, if you look back at the Giants last couple of years when they haven't had success, they did a lot of beating themselves. You know, getting in situations, uh, unforced penalties, uh, you know, false starts, you know, all, all kinds of, of mental mistakes. Those are not going to be tolerated with the Giants. And I think that's something that they need, especially them being a young team and growing. Well, Daniel Jones is a guy that needs a guy that's going to help him lead, move forward, especially with this team. Dave Gettleman is on his last edge. And what I mean by that, he might be fired at the end of this year if he doesn't get this right. And I'll tell you this right now. When you look at Daniel Jones, he is the guy. He's the guy. They believe he's the guy. I believe he's the guy. I think he's going to be a good quarterback in this league. He just needs to develop. He needs a guy that's going to help him develop. And it was puzzling that they brought in a guy from New England. And we all know Bill Belichick, he's a great, great head coach. But here's the thing. 
every single assistant coach that's come out from his team, his organization, has never succeeded. Eric Mangini, Mangini was probably the closest thing to success, and he was only there with the Jets for, what, two and a half years? So, mm-hmm. again, I, I, I want to see one of these coaches actually leave New England and become successful. I don't want to hear about New England and how great the organization has been and where the organization has gone because that was then and this is now. So, anyways, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen – We have a great segment, and we're going to call it A Cup of Coal. Eric Coleman is going to give you his take on what bothers him in sports here on The Weekend Crunch. A little drink for you, man. What? 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 All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Me, Errol Marks, and Eric Coleman here on the LI News Radio Network. I'm very happy to be here. Like I said, this is our first episode here. We're very, very excited. And we have a new segment, and we're going to do this every single week. We're going to call this A Cup of Coal. A Cup of Coal. All right, Errol, my, my cup of coal today goes to all the, the fans, the analysts, and, and people out there who complain about professional athletes demanding new contracts. You know, as a former player, that bothered me more than anything. You know, as a, as a player, you get signed to a, a contract. An owner, a team can cut you at any moment in time, and nobody complains about it because they didn't honor their contract. But yet when a player in his prime demands more money because he's outperforming that contract – Everyone has something to say about it. Now, you go back to the Jamal Adams situation. I I know we talked about it earlier in the show, but Jamal Adams is a player who was was drafted number six overall. He has two years left on his deal. And, yes, he was drafted number six. Yes, you expect greatness out of the sixth pick of the draft. But Jamal has been consistently been a pro bowler. He's been an all-pro safety. He's dominated on the field. He has 12 sacks, and he's a safety. That's more sacks than any pass rusher the Jets have had in years. He's outperformed his contract. It's time for him, for the Jets to pay up and, and give that man what he deserves. And everyone seems to have a problem with it. You know, now Jamal is an emotional guy. And I don't agree with the way that he's going about trying to, to get leverage and, and giving teams ultimatums and telling them where he wants to be traded to. I don't agree with that. But I do understand that Jamal is a very passionate player. When he's out there on the field, he's going to give it his all. He's going to be dominant. He's going to demand greatness from his teammates and hard work from his teammates. And he is the consummate pro. For a fan, for, for someone to be upset that he is demanding more money, that bothers, that bothers the heck out of me. And, and, and listen, if I'm a player, I'm out there balling, I'm doing my job, pay me. And so I do think the Jets should pay that man. They should pay him and, be a, and let that be a great example for the organization that if you come in here and you're drafted by the Jets or you're signed as a free agent with the Jets and you ball out, you do your job, you exceed expectations, we're going to compensate you, and this is the place where you, that you want to come play. So I think that that's my cup of coal, people complaining about these players wanting new contracts, wanting to be paid for what they do out there on the field, when on the other side of the bill, the owners, the general managers can cut a player whenever they feel like it, and no one has anything to say about it. 
No, it's absolutely wrong for the owners to do something like that. And my argument to you is, I, I agree. Jamal Adams deserves the money. We've said this in the first subject, the, the first uh, monologue that we got into in the beginning of the show. I, I said Jamal Adams deserves every single penny that he should get. I just think that Jamal Adams should take a step back. Let the Jets rebuild this organization. They have a new GM in place. They need to find a way to figure things out. And Joe Douglas, this is a new GM. This is a guy that's never been in a position like this before. He's been under Baltimore. He's won three Super Bowls, two with the Baltimore Ravens and one with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. He was with the Chicago Bears when Adam Gase was there, so they know each other very, very well. And I like Joe Douglas. I think Joe Douglas did a sensational job in the draft, which we will get into a little bit later. But I'll tell you this right now. When you look at this team and the rebuild of what you've seen in the, in the draft this year, look at the offensive players he added. Look at Denzel Mims. Look at the running back they added. Look at what they added defensive players. Obviously, in the third round, they added uh, safety. They added uh, a defensive lineman. You know they're going to add players. They added some corners in the later rounds. They added offensive linemen. They added another quarterback. They are starting to build around the offense. This team is all about one player and one player only. It's the quarterback, and that's what they believe. They believe the quarterback is the future of this organization. Not saying Jamal Adams isn't the future, but money talks. And you saw what Patrick Mahomes got, and, I, and that's what I want to get into. Patrick Mahomes got a $500 million contract while this is going on. The COVID-19, Kansas City gave him the biggest contract in sports history, over $500 million, and I do believe he will renegotiate that deal probably five, six years down the road because he's only going to be like 28, 29 years old. This guy has been the best quarterback in the league the last two years. You want to argue Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson won an MVP last year. If Lamar Jackson wins a Super Bowl this year with Baltimore, I guess you're going to have to pay him $500 million too because to me, Patrick Mahomes got paid a lot of money. He deserves every penny of it. I'm not going to complain. Kansas City wanted to pay him. He got it. But how are they going to pay Jones? He's going to want $20 million a year. This is a, one of the big parts of their defense and moving forward for this team. The, the defense is really where they structured their team over all these years. They were a great defensive team, a decent offensive team with Alex Smith. Now Patrick Mahomes took over. Patrick Mahomes has been sensational. He throws with his left. He throws with his right. He moves to the left. He moves to the right. He runs. He throws. He throws on his knees. He does everything. I mean, the guy, I'm surprised he doesn't spit it out in some, some other directions. I mean, this guy has been incredible. $500 million. Wow. That's a big contract, my friend. He deserves every penny of it. You know, he's a transcendent player. He's the face of the NFL, and, and he's done a great job uh, of leading that franchise. Now, when you talk about building a team, you know, when you build a house, what do you need? You need that foundation. Mm -hmm. And that foundation isn't built around one player. You know, when you talk about Sam Darnold, you're going to need players like C.J. Mosley, like Jamal Adams. You need several players, foundation players that are going to be there. You know, then you fill in the pieces Then you can, you know, spend a little less money here. And as you get to the top, you can get free agents here and there and got, pay guys at the minimum that contribute. But you have to pay those foundation players. And Jamal is one of those players that is all pro. He does it the right way. He's a leader of your team. Pay him. It's, uh, you look at Patrick Mahomes, Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott. You know, all these guys are foundation players for their organization, you know, meaning that they're going to show up and show out whenever they step on the field. You're, they're going to demand greatness from their teammates. They're great leaders on their team, and, and they play hard. No, yeah, I, all these guys need to be I compensated. All these guys need to be compensated. And listen, everybody can't make the big bucks, but there are going to be a handful of players on your team that have outrageous contracts. And listen, football, 
the, the salary cap is going up every year. It's around $200 million now. You have enough – there's enough money to go around to all these players if you want to be able to reward those all-pro players on your team. If you but, have the, but the quarterback – I'm sorry I cut you off, but the quarterback position is the most important position in football. Everybody says it. I disagree. I think defense wins championships. You're absolutely right. Jamal Adams, the leader of the defense, he deserves the contract, and he's going to get his contract. If it's not from the Jets, he'll get it from the Cowboys, Seattle, wherever he wants to go. If he wants to go to Guam, he can play for Guam. I mean, he's going to get paid. I mean, somebody's going to pay this guy because he's one of the best players in the league. But my argument is go up and down what Jamal Adams did last year. Go look at what he did. His top games were against three bad teams. Now, I'm not saying Jamal Adams isn't the best safety in the league. He's proven in the last three seasons he is. Him, Derwin James, and very few people you could say that is anywhere close to what Jamal Adams is and what Jamal Adams, Adams is going to be in the near future. But again, Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback. He's the one that drove the team to a Super Bowl. He's the one who drove the team to a playoff run. He's also a guy that won an MVP in practically his rookie season. Jamal Adams didn't take the Jets to the playoffs yet. He's not a guy that is going to put the team on his shoulders and take you. You need a quarterback to do that. Sam Donald's going to demand a lot of money. If he shows himself to be healthy this year and he could play behind that offensive line, you're going to have to pay that kid. And knowing that you're going to have to pay Jamal Adams 90-something million dollars, and then you're going to have to pay Sam Donald, that's almost a little bit more than 40% of your salary cap. That's a lot, Eric. A so, lot. So- Okay, so that's why you draft players. That's why you draft great players. Right. They don't, the Jets are in a position where they don't have to pay their quarterback right now. They're getting him at a discount. They can afford to play, pay other players. But w- since you said the quarterback should be the only one who's getting paid, what do you say about Christian McCaffrey? What do you say about Zeke Elliott? These guys are, are perennial uh, playoff teams. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're not quarterbacks. They're, they're running backs on their team, and they have been compensated two years out of their contract. And they've still been paid because their team sees the value of this player. They, they know that the player is a leader on their team. They perform well, and they should be compensated for it. I don't understand what is the big problem with Jamal. Yes, the numbers may be off, but let's, let's come into an, uh, to, to an agreement that mm-hmm. Jamal is going to make the oh, yeah. most amount of money for any safety playing no in the NFL that has ever played in the NFL, mm-hmm. and he deserves it. No, no question he's going to make the most money, and he's demanding it. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at the numbers right now. It, it's ridiculous. And, and I, I'll tell you this right now. When he becomes a free agent or close to his free agency, even next year, he could demand it. Go out there this year, prove yourself again that you are the best safety in the league, and the Jets will pay you. I, I believe Joe Douglas has no problem paying him the money that he wants. But again, you also have to take a step back and look at Sam Donald. Right now, Sam Donald isn't the star that they think he's going to be. And obviously, he's under a coach. A lot of people skeptical. Uh, people are skeptical about Adam Gase and the way he coaches. And they think he's a quarterback guru. And a lot of people make jokes of that. Because who did he guru? What did he guru in all those different places that he's worked at? I mean, seriously, Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning gurued him. I mean, Peyton Manning helped him. So, again, there's nobody. And don't, don't even bring up Jay Cutler, okay? Because Jay Cutler, as, as good or decent of a quarterback he was with the Broncos, he went to Chicago, played one good season over there, and now he's not even in the NFL. He retired at a young age. This guy has been a complete joke. And Adam Gase says he wants to hold his shoulders up because he says, hey, you know, I, I coach Jay Cutler. You see his season. You saw what he did with the Bears. I'll tell you this right now. I love Jamal Adams. I don't want to lose Jamal Adams, but if 
He is demanding things and he's telling him, if you don't give me the money I want right now, trade me and I'm going to give you a list of players or a list. I'm sorry, not a list of players, a list of teams that I want to go to. I'm a little offset on that. I, I, I don't go to a GM. I don't go to a coach and say, you know what, <laughs> just trade me. You know, I don't want to be here anymore if you're not going to pay me. So you're absolutely right. I know. I, but Patrick Mahomes, he deserves every penny that he deserved. And, and I'm not taking shots at Ezekiel Elliott. I think he deserved the money. But again, he was, he was going to sit out the whole season if he didn't get it. And you're holding the, the owners, you're all holding the coaches to try to design their offenses the way they need to stru- structure it because they don't have the player that they, they needed on that roster. So again, I, I agree with you absolutely. But again, I, I just disagree with the Jamal Adams thing. I think you need to take a step back, let Jamal Adams play another season, and let him earn his contract as well as he should. We'll agree to disagree on this. <laughs> I got you. I got you. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into a subject, and my drop will be mark it up. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of different things I want to talk about, not just in sports that is going on in the world that completely upsets me. And especially some of this entertainment crap with the Kardashians. It's absolutely joke. When we come back, we'll get in here. We'll get into that here on the weekend crunch. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Long Island, we're here. Yes, on the LI News Radio Network. We are very happy to be here. Shout out to JVC Broadcasting for letting us come on this network and really give you our thoughts in sports and be the voice of Long Island sports. As you guys know, we, we heard a couple call. This is my subject and topic. Here we go. We're going to call this Mark it up. This is Mark it up. I will tell you guys right now, what's going on in the world is absolutely ridiculous. By the way, COVID-19 has been going around not only throughout the country, throughout the world. So many people have died from this this terrible traumatic traumatic disease and virus whatever they want to call it and there was there was a news story that came out the other day that a 30 year old went into a party went to a party thinking that this was all a hoax and hung out had fun partied up got sick with COVID-19 and passed away the other day Here's the problem right now, what's going on in the world. I think a lot of people took a step back. I was one of those people in the beginning that took a step back and said, you know what, this is a hoax. This is, uh, more people every single year die from the flu. Why is everybody taking this too seriously? And now you're seeing all the totals going on right now. People dying in Florida, people dying all over the place, getting sick in all different places. And there's over, I don't know, 250,000 people that have died through this disease, this virus around the country. So I think that is completely complete, utter ridiculousness that somebody would go to a party knowing that this thing is going around. I, when I go to restaurants right now, and I, I would have never thought in my wildest dreams that I would be walking into a restaurant with a mask on. And that might happen for a very long time, Eric. So I, I, I've been absolutely disgusted about that. Another thing that I'm disgusted about is this whole Kardashian thing. Now, I, I, I know a lot of people love the Kardashians. They absolutely adore them. They got their Dash store out in the Hamptons. They, they run LA because their TV show on E! Network. And I'm not taking away from anybody that makes money for what they do, okay? But the fact that every single story on Yahoo or Google is about the Kardashians makes me sick to my stomach because there's a lot of other things going on in the world 
besides the Kardashians. I know a lot of people want to get away and they want to talk about Kanye West and whatever he's doing, or they want to talk about Kylie uh, with her billion dollars that she's made. And, and now all the press is arguing that she's not a billionaire and she's taking pictures in swimsuits and she wants to drop weight and she got fat and all this other stuff. I don't give a crap. Okay, when I look at the world and what is going on in the world, there's a lot more worse things going on in the world than the Kardashians, okay? Or how fat Rob is, or how many kids they have. Do you really give a crap about the Kardashian? Come on, Eric, you know what I'm talking about. This is complete <laughs> craziness. What I see uh, on E! Network, I can't even sit and watch it anymore. I used to watch it. I used to be a fan. So I'm thrown off with that. Hey, so that's that's all the more reason why it's important to have sports back. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if, if football is on, if basketball is on, ain't nobody worried about what the Kardashians are doing. But you know <laughs> what? As as people, you know, we want to be entertained. We want to, uh, you know, imagine ourselves in someone's shoes. And I think that people are are fascinated with that. Uh, me myself, you know, I'm not a big reality show person. You know, you I, I don't, I don't, I stay away from the drama as much as possible. I got a drama free zone going on at my house and, uh, and I don't have time for it, you know? So, so I'm I wish I lived in your house. I mean, <laughs> drama free is not in my life. Let me tell hey, you. I, 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 have three, I have three kids. So it, it's, the drama is inevitable and I don't need to go out and watch it on purpose. I'm not going to take in somebody else's drama uh, on purpose because I have enough going on in my own life. Mark this up. When you look at Dak Prescott, and I know the story is coming out, he wants to get paid too, and we didn't even talk about Dak Prescott. But Dak Prescott with the whole Andy Dalton thing, and I know a lot of people think, hey, they brought Andy Dalton in to be a backup quarterback. Now there are stories coming out that if Dak Prescott doesn't get paid, which there were stories uh, this week said that he was offered a contract and he's right now renegotiating that contract. If it does happen, uh, that contract will be signed before OTA start. Here's the problem right now. And I know a lot of people are going to probably take shots at me. There are a lot of Cowboy fans here in Long Island. There are a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers fans here in Long Island. So I had to get into this because it really does bother me. It irks me. But Dak Prescott, and I'm sorry, Dak Prescott has to prove himself more than the last two years to really get the money he wants. I, I'll, I tell you right now, you brought in a coach, Mike McCarthy, who Dak Prescott, say what you want, and you know this more as much as I do, he doesn't fit a West Coast offense. He, he's not an accurate thrower. He's not that type of quarterback. He, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, who's a great running back, how many power running backs succeeded in the Green Bay Packers offense? How many of them? Not many of them. I'll tell you that. Eddie Lacy one year and Starks another year. There has not been a, 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 a multiple-year running, running, back, running back for the Green Bay Packers that average over 1,000 yards, giving you six, seven touchdowns every single year. So, again, I, I, I didn't understand the Mike McCarthy signing. I know he was the best coach available. But, again, he said he came to the team for Dak Prescott. Meanwhile, Dak Prescott doesn't fit his offense. So, I don't understand that. I really don't, Eric. I, well, you know, I, I would have to disagree with you with the fact that Dak Prescott hasn't earned it. I mean, he threw for 4,900 yards last year, 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Uh, you know, in a year that everybody was questioning his skills. You know, they, they didn't think that he had enough talent to, to be the, the quarterback of the, of the Cowboys. But I thought Dak did a great job last year. He came out, showed out from, from day one. No, they haven't been the, the you know, the, the America's team. They haven't been competing for Super Bowl championships. But at the same time, when you've got a great quarterback, which I think Dak Prescott is a great quarterback. You know, I, I'm not putting really? him up there with, great? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not putting him up there with, with Aaron Rodgers. I'm not putting him up there with, uh, you know, the, the, the pro bowlers, you know, but he's good enough to be a quarter, a, a pro bowl quarterback. And for you to have a quarterback that's, that's 
Okay, I take it back. He's not great. He's a very good quarterback. <laughs> He's a very good quarterback. But to throw for 5,000 yards, you've got to be doing something right. You know what I mean? And, and I think that he's a good enough quarterback to earn that long-term contract. Yeah. But I don't know about these numbers that I'm hearing that he's asking for. Uh, you know, I think he's lost his mind with that. But at the same time, listen, quarterbacks, you saw how Patrick Mahomes is getting. You know, the, the, he set the bar. He reset the bar. And so I, I think that quarterbacks are going to be making more money than we've ever seen. Players are going to be making more money than we've ever seen. And it's something that we're all going to have to get used to. You know, the salary caps are going up. The TV contracts are going up. Uh, everybody's making more money in football and in sports in general. So these guys are going to start getting paid, and we're just going to have to get used to it. No, I, I'm not arguing that they don't deserve to get paid, and Dak Prescott's going to get a contract for, for whoever is going to offer him the contract. I don't think any team is going to give him the contract besides the Cowboys. If he decides to go to free agency, I don't see any team giving him the numbers that he is ta talking about. You're hearing 35, 36. He is not Patrick Mahomes. He's not even close. Now, Patrick Mahomes no. is making $45 million, but you, you're also – and I, I agree with you – I look at Dak Prescott. He is a reliable quarterback. Reliable. He's probably the 15th or 16th best quarterback mm -hmm. in the league. Yeah. Nah, you can't give him 15. Come on, man. Oh, you think he's better than Kirk Cousins? Yes. Oh, come on, Eric. Kirk come Cousins on. is getting $30 million a year guaranteed. Yeah, but he's, he's not better than Kirk Cousins. Man. And, and, oh, man, he's better than Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you that right oh, now. Man, we can I, played, I played against Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins does not strike fear in any defense. Well, he yes, he, the yes he's player. streaky. It wasn't yeah, the same player. Okay. He wasn't the same player. But, but listen, Dak Prescott is, is a much better player than Kirk Cousins. Oh, my God. Come on. Give me another quarterback that you think he's better than, and I, I'm going to argue it. Come uh, on. Let's hear it. Quarterback, who is he better than? Mm -hmm. well, right now? Mm -hmm. Right now. Well, okay. So, you got a bunch of Steelers fans. He's better than Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, right? my God. What are you, nuts? I mean, I know. Listen, I know Ben was hurt last year, but, but Ben was drafted in my year. Yes. Ben is 137 years old. He's as old <laughs> as me, and, and, he, and he's descending. Um, I will say that he okay. is better than – he's better than um, – was buddy with the, with the L.A. Rams. Oh, Goff? Wow. Yeah, he's better than Goff. I don't like Goff. I don't like Goff. Goff has a rocket <laughs> arm and a ton of potential, but he's better than Goff. I do not like Goff. I, you got a producer laughing, Speedy Petey over here. He's, he's laughing than, his butt off. He's better than Andy Dalton, who they just signed. Uh, well, no doubt he's better than Andy. <laughs> who isn't better than Andy Dalton? I mean, uh, I, I'll he's tell you. He's better than a lot of quarterbacks. Dak who? Prescott is. I mean, deserves God, to be paid. He, he deserves to be paid as a quarterback oh, he, of the Cowboys, does. which comes with, with a hefty paycheck. Oh, it comes with a hefty paycheck, and J Jerry Jones is going to have to open that paycheck. And the question is – and by the way, there is somebody I know throughout uh, Long Island who is a Cowboy fan, and I am not going to mention names. But I just want to ask you your opinion to this because I know he wants his stardom on the, long, the LI News Radio Network. So I want you to answer this question. And this is a really, really funny statement he made years and years ago on our network, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, on one of my shows called Down to the Wire. He told me that if Ezekiel Elliott played behind the same offensive line as Barry Sanders, he would be just as good and he'd have just as good a numbers as Barry Sanders. I want to know your take on that because I thought that was hilarious, a joke, and I don't know who he's talking about. Is he talking about some like Barry Sanders from who works at a grocery store? Is he talking about <laughs> Barry Sanders? Because Barry Sanders is probably one of the top three running backs in NFL history, and he's telling me that Ezekiel behind that bad offensive line, and you know what I'm talking about, 
that offensive line was absolutely horrendous over there in Detroit. And you played for Detroit. So you know all about what, what that team likes to devel- deliver to fans. So what, were your th- what are your thoughts to that statement? So if, if he would have called in and said that, I probably would have hung up the phone before he got the, <laughs> the rest of the statement out. <laughs> but, but you know what? Listen, you can, make, you, can make that arg- you, know, you can make arguments back and forth about you know, Emmett Smith and Barry Sanders because they played in the same era. And obviously Emmett Smith had an amazing offensive line in front of him. Uh, you, you, that argument has been made. But to, to talk about Zeke Elliott in the same, same breath as Barry Sanders is absolutely crazy. And, uh, and, and I will not accept that on this, on this show. <laughs> but, but, but funny story, though, real quick. When I played for the Lions, uh, it was funny because Barry Sanders came into the, the facility. And he's walking around the practice facility and, you know, all the coaches. And I, I went up and introduced myself to him. And I'm like, man, Barry Sanders is here. And some of the guys in the defensive back room were like, who's Barry Sanders? <laughs> and me and my coach, I almost grabbed a guy by the throat. I said, you don't know who Barry Sanders is? And, I mean, it just shows you these youngsters, man, and the lack of knowledge that they have about the history of the game. And so we had to sit down for, like, 30 minutes and give, like, a tutorial, pull up YouTube clips on Barry Sanders for these young players who never got a chance to see him play. Oh, my God. How do you not know who Barry Sanders is? Do your research, ladies and gentlemen. If, you, if you're going to mention Barry Sanders out of those lips, you definitely got to look him up. That guy was unbelievable. There is not a player in, in past time that you can compare or contrast to Barry Sanders. Maybe Le'Veon Bell in, in, earlier in his career. I haven't seen that yet, but uh, Le'Veon Bell has been spectacular what he has done. And Curtis Martin was a great running back for the New York Jets. You played with Curtis, so you know all oh, about yeah. Curtis. So oh, yeah, I love Curtis Martin. Yes. So when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, the last topic of the day, crunch time here on the Weekend Crunch. Oh, you know this, Eric. Strong Island, baby. Yeah. Little Rock Kim, Eric B, baby. Moving it. That's what I'm talking about. As you guys know, this is the Weekend Crunch. We are live every single Saturday here on the LI News Radio Network. As you guys know, I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Eric Coleman. And as you guys know, I am here right next to my producer. And Speedy, I want you to introduce this topic. So our last topic of the weekend crunch is crunch time. It's time for crunch time. So Errol and Eric will exchange and debate many different questions that I will ask. The first of which we're going to start with basketball. There's a lot of rumors with the Knicks and Devin Booker trade rumors. Should the Knicks do it, pay the price that it would take to get Devin Booker? And what are the chances it actually happens? I don't know if it's going to happen. Devin Booker is one of the best players, one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. And they're going to have to give up a significant amount. Now, the Knicks have seven first-round draft picks in the next few years, next five years. They have one of the most available draft picks where they can go after a Carl Anthony Towns or a Devin Booker. I don't know if Carl Anthony Towns is available. Devin Booker is a name that's gone out there. They're, he's not the only player that's going to be available this offseason whenever it happens if, if there is a season but Devin Booker you're gonna have to give up a significant amount and then you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay this guy the money that he just got uh do I think it's gonna happen probably not and the New York Knicks find a way to screw everything up so the answer is no <laughs> there's not a snowball's chance in hell that the <laughs> Knicks get Devin Booker he, he just signed a, a long max contract he has four years left on his deal 
uh, the Knicks are an organization that are trying to grow. You know, they're not going to be giving away first round picks because, you know, that, that's how you that's how you grow your, your franchise with right, draft right. picks. You know, you add some free agents to sprinkle in. But, you know, for what they would have to give up, and I don't think the Suns would give up a Devin Booker. He's one of the top players in the NBA, and, and he's playing in his prime right now. So there's no way that's going to happen. All righty. So we were talking about quarterbacks earlier. Which is the least likely to stay with their current team based on their questionable situations, Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson? That's a good question, too. And I think Deshaun Watson right now has his own thoughts to the Texans. He does, the, the, the team in O'Brien decides to get rid of his number one target, which absolutely made no sense. He goes to Arizona. You give him up for, what did you get? Two, a second-round draft pick and a fourth? You gave up nothing for arguably the best wide receiver in the league. I, I know Hopkins and him were best friends. I believe Deshaun Watson is going to want out. And if he doesn't want out, he's going to be traded because O'Brien likes to trade whoever uh, he can get his hands on. And he's the GM of the organization right now. He's made the, the organization a complete mockery. J.J. Watt is not the same player he once was. So he will be out. Dak Prescott's getting the contract. The question is, how much is he going to get? And when is he going to get it? And is he going to sit out for the season? Well, they do have Andy Dalton. So we're not going to argue that point. But again, Dak Prescott's going to get the contract. I believe Deshaun Watson is on his way out with the Texans. Man, I, I, I hate to do this, Errol, but I'm going to agree with you. You know, I think Deshaun Watson <laughs> is on his way out. He and Bill, Bill, Bill O'Brien are not seeing eye to eye right now. You know, just got rid of his favorite receiver. Um, you know, obviously he, he's been outspoken in the media about how, the way he feels about O'Brien. Uh, I, I think that one of those two are going to have to go, either O'Brien or Watson. And unfortunately, I think it's going to be the quarterback. Which, listen, I, I think that he's going to be there. I think that it will work out. They'll, they'll find a way to make it happen. But if I had to choose between Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson, it's going to be Deshaun. All righty, back to basketball. The Nets have or been in rumors to make an offer, a godfather-like offer, to Greg Popovich to become their next head coach. What will it take in order to do that? And what is the likelihood he leaves the Spurs? A prayer. That's what it's going to take because that's not going to happen. I, I can't see Greg Popovich le leaving the San Antonio Spurs. He built his family. First of all, his family's lived there for years. He's built that organization. He runs that organization. Him and the GM have run that organization since, since day one. If, they, if he didn't want Kawhi Leonard, he got rid of Kawhi Leonard. He, he has been the spokesman of that organization. The fact that the Nets are going to offer a godfather uh, deal to the, the Spurs to get Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich, if he is going to leave, he's going to have to have more than Kyrie Irving and uh, Kevin Durant there for him to decide to pick up and leave. And even if he does, is Greg Popovich have the, the push that, and the stride that he has had over the years with the Tim Duncans, the Ginobili's, the Parkers? I don't know if he's the same coach. This is a guy that's close to 70, if not 70 now. He's getting older. He's not the same coach. And I don't know if he has the same stride and the push to do it. So the answer is not a snowball hell. That's what I'm going to say. And I use your term. There you go, Eric. <laughs> you're gonna take my term huh there you go i'm stealing it no you oh, know yeah. i, I listen I, I think greg popovich is gonna is gonna stay put you know Errol, you brought up some great points uh you know he's established himself in the san, san antonio community he is the head coach and general manager of the team uh things are going the way that he wants it to go and i, and I think that he's at the point in his career where it's, it's not necessarily about the dollars you know you can you know offer him whatever amount of money he wants Listen, he's living in Texas. I'm sure he's not paying for any meals. Uh, there's no, there's no state income tax in Texas. Uh, he, he's comfortable. He's gonna, he gotta have a statue of himself outside of the Alamo Dome uh, when he's done or whatever, wherever the Spurs play. And, and uh, you know, I think he's going to retire 
as the head coach of the San Antonio Spurs. I absolutely agree with you. All right. Come on, give us some, some topics that we don't agree. Okay. Come on. All right. This is, could, be, could be anybody. A highly touted team from this offseason, everyone's hyping them up, that you think will underperform this year in the NFL. Mm. Eric, I'm going to let you go on this one. I'm going to give you the, the first uh, stride on this one. A highly touted team that, that I believe is going to underperform. I mean, listen, I don't know how highly touted they are, but, you know, the, the Los Angeles Rams, I think they'll underperform. They have a lot of uh, players on their team that are getting paid a tremendous amount of money. You know, Aaron Donald, obviously he's the best tackle in the game. But offensively, I don't know if they have enough uh, to, to get through a Seattle, you know, to get through uh, the teams out there in the West uh, that they're going to need to get through. So I, I would say the Los Angeles Rams are going to be a team that struggles, that has, a, a, you know, some high expectations. Dallas Cowboys. I'm not even going to think twice. I, they're in a division right now where, yes, the Giants are in there, the Redskins. They're both rebuilding teams. They're not the best team in the division. I don't care what arguments anybody has. The best team in that division is the Philadelphia Eagles. They added Slay in the offseason. This, this guy is one of the most underrated corners in the league. This is a top three corner in the league. They got him for nothing. You, you made a trade for practically nothing. They had Darius Slay. I, I'll tell you this as a whole. The Cowboys with a new coach, they, they're secondary skeptical. You, have, you had a Clinton HaHa Dix who's running, he's running away from bears all over Yahoo. I mean, did you see that? Did you see him on the scooter running away from a bear? Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. You see him running that the scooter was awesome. and he ran away. It was so funny. But, I, I mean, that secondary is so weak. Jones is no longer there, even though I didn't think he was that good. They need to rebuild that secondary. And you cannot, in the, in the NFC, play with a secondary that weak. And Mike McCarthy, over the years, he is an offense-minded coach. And that's a, that, that team has really been a defensive-minded team for the last couple of years. Their best offensive target is their running back. The running back does not fit the power. I mean, the West Coast offense is not a power back offense. It's more like uh, an offense where you can use a Le'Veon Bell, a guy that can you, you can use on the, as a wide receiver in the open field, inside and out with a slot. You know, I, I just I disagree on the whole – build up with Mike McCarthy as the new Dallas head coach. I think Dallas Cowboy fans need to step back and realize that where this team is going might not be in the great Pacific position that everybody thinks they're going to be. All right. So the last one we're going to do is, is actually a little game. So we're talking about contracts a lot. No oh God. There's going to be a lot. There's a lot of guys <laughs> pending contracts. So what would you pay? And do you think these teams are going to pay them? And the theme is going to be obviously guys pending free agency. So the first one we're going to do is Dalvin cook. Do you think the Vikings will pay him? And how much would you pay him? Dalvin cook? Mm. I don't think the Vikings are going to pay him. Cause uh, again, you, you look at San Diego and you see what happened with Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon did not get paid. Melvin Gordon is one of the best running backs in the league. He goes to the Broncos, what, two-year, three-year contract. He took less money to go to the Broncos when he expected between 12 and $13 million a year. He wasn't going to get that. And, and that's because of the injury situation. Uh, Dalvin Cook is a guy that's a great running back. He's fought a lot of injuries since he's come into the league. So the answer is, I don't think Minnesota, especially what they, what they extended Kirk Cousins' contract in the offseason – I don't know if Dalvin Cook is going to get the contract that he thinks that he deserves. I, I disagree. I, I think Dalvin Cook will get paid. You know, he, he's a, a fantastic player. He's a, a mismatch in the passing game. He does a great job of running in between the tackles, takes care of the ball. Yes, he's had his injuries, but last year, running over 1,000 yards, I think that this is going to be a breakout year for him, and he's going to take it to the next level, and the Vikings will pay him. Mm, all right, let's shift to the defensive <laughs> side of the ball. Highly touted corner, young corner, Marshawn Lattimore. Oh, 
Marshawn Lattimore, first of all, you know the cornerback position is not easy to find. You were a DB, so you know that, Eric. You, you, to find a cornerback of that expected and, and, and that top-talented serve, you know, to serve a, a team like the, the Saints, who has had problems over the years finding a corner that will fit the position and, and making, making a move the way they did in the draft, getting somebody like Lattimore, who kind of fell to them. Lattimore is one of the best corners in the league when healthy. When you look at their defense when he wasn't in the lineup and when he wasn't on the team or wasn't playing, the defense is not the same thing. They're not the same team. So Lattimore is one of the most underrated, believe it or not, and he was defensive player of the year his rookie season. This is a guy that's highly profiled filed and I think he deserves the money corner position is very hard to find in a draft and you pay the corners he is going to make the money you pay a corner before you pay a safety yes he's making that money yeah well I'm gonna agree with you again you know uh, cornerbacks pass rushers uh, those are the unicorns of the defense. You know, you, they don't grow on trees. You can't just draft a player and develop into a great corner. Uh, to play out there on that island, you have to have that dog in you. You have to have a certain mentality. You have to have the quickness. You have to have the toughness. You have to have the top end speed. Everything has to come together uh, w along with the technique for you to be a great corner. And Marshawn Lattimore does have all those, all those skills. They're playing in the NFC South. There's a bunch of ballers out there. You know, you got Tampa Bay. Tom Brady just came to town playing against Matt Ryan. Uh, you know, the, the Panthers, you know, they're, they're, they got a new head coach. So, you know, they have, they have some matchup problems. The, the, the fact is you need a great corner to shut down one side of the field if you want to continue to p compete. And I think Marshawn is that guy that can get you out of a third down position, get Drew Brees the ball, and get uh, New Orleans Saints that extra possession so they can win the game. All right, we have 34 seconds left of the show. Go ahead, Speedy. Last one, George Kittle. George Kittle is going to get his money. Now, I don't think he deserves the money like a lot of people think that he deserves. He, he, they're, they're saying that he, he's going to get 15 to $17 million. I think George Kittle is a fabulous tight end. But again, I don't think he's worth $15, $16 million. I think you give George Kittle $13, $12 million. I think that's highly worth it for a player of that stature, especially with the San Francisco 49ers. He makes, a th I think, about 38% of the touches on the field offensively for the San Francisco 49ers. I disagree. He's going to get as much money as he wants. Uh, <laughs> he's, a, he's a dominant player. He does it, he does it all. He run blocks. He, he's a great deep threat. He stretches the field down the middle of the field. And listen, stop counting that man's money, man. <laughs> Give him what he needs. The team can afford it. If San Francisco's, if San Francisco's in another Super Bowl, everybody's going to be touting him as, as the, one of the greatest of all time. So uh, I would say give Kittle his money. If Kyle Shanahan's running that team, I don't think they're ever winning a Super Bowl. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to all you Atlanta, uh, well, Atlanta Falcon fans who uh, lost the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, but now the San Francisco fans that probably hate my guts now and probably won't listen to the show anymore. But anyways, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Next week, we're going to have a special guest. We're not going to tell you who it is. If you listen to 103.9 and all the JVC Broadcasting Media Company uh, networks out here in Long Island. You will hear the presentation from it, either from me and Eric Coleman. We'll do a promo on who we're going to be interviewing. I'd like to thank JVC. I'd like to thank, uh, this, also, I want to tell you, brought to you, this, this show is brought to you by New York Sports Scene Magazine. It's also brought to you by JVC Broadcasting and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Guys, if you haven't followed us on our network, go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com and download our app on iOS, WWSRN, and Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Search us. Eric, do you have anything to say before we go? 
No, it's a pleasure. It's a great start. I, I look forward to working with you and, uh, and giving the fans what they want. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a Long Islander. Uh, I live on Thank the God. island, and I'm glad to be able to deliver sports <laughs> the right way. Listen, man, I, I see you closing your eyes because you're a little tired. You got three kids to, t uh, to tend to now. I know you told me, my kids are waiting for me. My kids are waiting for you. I love the fact that you're a family man, and I'm happy that you're my partner. I'm looking forward when you come back from Florida to working with you in person in the JVC Broadcasting Studios. Very excited for the future of where we're going with uh, this radio show. The Weekend Crunch, ladies and gentlemen, which is brought to you by LI News Radio. We will be back next week on Saturday at 7 p.m. Trust me, until then, this is Errol Marks and Eric Coleman and Speedy Petey sitting over here playing with the board. We'll be back next week at the same time on Saturday, 7 p.m. Good night, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.